0: Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show.
1: Welcome back to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg. And we're joined again today by Rick Gallagher from our team. Rick, how's it going? Hey, Austin. Doing well. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. This is something you and I have talked about. You know, We're brother-in-laws. So we spend a lot of time together. Sure. This is something you and I have spent a lot of time talking about just you know, as it relates to how do we educate children and younger people? How do we teach them financial concepts because they don't learn them in school. Today we want to talk about five financial concepts that your kids should know. And this I've got little kids, Rick's even got littler kids, but it applies as much to little kids, teenagers, young, you know, just getting into college, really just that young people should know.
2: Yeah, I and- I think this is a really interesting topic. I find it interesting that the simple stuff uh, like you said, it it's something that you'd want to be teaching kids, but it's just as applicable to a lot of our older clients, the folks that are full blown in air quotes adults, <laughs> paying True. bills and and, <laughs> and investing and doing their thing, and yet these ideas and these principles that yeah you know younger people should learn and that they maybe don't learn like you mentioned, yeah, just financial literacy, right? Like yeah, hundred percent. Being financially literate, so. Yep. Okay. So
1: we're going to get into the first one here, which is the power of compounding. Now, Einstein is one of my favorite thought leaders, people that I've read a lot about. And I've got a picture of him actually in my office. He once said that compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. He said, it's the eighth wonder of the world. And that if you don't understand that, you pay it. If you do understand it, you earn it. Right. And so we want people earning... That compound interest as opposed to paying. Um, I've got a little example here to run through. We're just gonna, these are hypothetical examples with easy numbers just to try to illustrate the point, right? So if we have compound interest of 10% for 20 years, and the difference between compound and simple interest being simple interest if if the if you have $1,000 and there's a 10% simple interest, you would earn $100 per year for that time. If it's compound interest, you earn $100 in the first year, but then you now earn your 10% on the 1,000 plus the 100 that you earned. Right, So that that is compound interest. So that's a a long introduction here. Let me get to the example. So let's say you have $1,000 and you get compound interest of 10% over 20 years. At compound interest, that thousand dollars would grow over twenty years to be more than seven thousand dollars. So more more than seven thousand, you know, seven times your original investment. If you just had simple interest, so you were not compounding your interest, think maybe like you you own a bond it kicks out the interest and you spend that as opposed to reinvesting. That simple interest is only you know that thousand dollars grows to be three thousand dollars. So more than double the amount you get over time with with compounding your interest as opposed to just a simple interest, which is really what makes it so powerful.
2: Yeah. And and the other thing to mention, this is a, a teaser for I think what we'll talk about later, is that we're looking over a period of 20 years, right? I mean, it's interesting as we look at the... I think we're looking at the same chart that in the first few years, there's not a lot of difference between lack of compound interest and having compound interest. But as you get further into time, it's it's like a hockey stick shape where the compound interest takes off away from from the value of the simple interest. So Yeah, good. you know, it really
1: time is on your side. You know, that is one of these topics too, which is why this concept, as well as a few of the other concepts we'll get into starting early really makes a real significant difference, right? Because of that added time. To your point on the chart here that we're looking at, and I guess we can put a copy of this in the well, maybe we probably put it on the website that so that everybody can go take a look at this. So we'll make nice. sure it's on the website there, but it's really not until about year six of that 10% that you start seeing that gap between simple and compound interest. So again, that comp- compounding interest, Just if you can just remember that compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe, and you want to be able to take advantage of that. Love it. Okay.
2: Show over. It's done.
1: Yeah, yeah. that That is, you know, I think, the most important thing here. But yeah. taxes is another really critical element to investing. And we hear all the time, I think you see on social media all the time, oh, why didn't they teach me how to file my tax return in school? Oh, all the time? I have no idea what I'm doing, right? So that is very true. But what we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about here is just the effect of taxes on your investments. So capital gains tax, for example. So again, I've got a chart here that we start with $1 and we double that dollar 20 times. So from one to two, two to four, four to eight, et cetera. As you do that 20 times, if you can compound that growth tax-free, you end up with $1,048,576. So that's a pretty big number, right? Now, if you had to pay capital gains tax or tax of twenty five percent, which is about average capital gains, I would say, each time that money doubled, so you went from one to two, but then you had to pay tax, so now you're left with a dollar seventy five. Dollar seventy five doubles to three fifty. You pay tax, you got three oh six, etc. You keep going down that road twenty times. You're only left with seventy two thousand five hundred and seventy dollars and sixty four cents. Nearly a million dollar difference lost
2: all to taxes. We say all the time to our clients that we don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog. We want to make good investment decisions first. And maybe said this on the podcast before. Make good investment decisions first. Let the taxes follow. We mean that, but we also want to be conscientious of what we're paying in taxes as we're investing our dollars. If we can be tax efficient, it's man, especially over time, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. And as we think about young people again, as we're trying
1: to think about how can we educate young people on these financial concepts, to me, this really illustrates the value of the Roth IRA. Right now, yep. we've talked about IRAs in the past and Roth IRAs and the pros and cons of, of each way. But the pro of the Roth IRA being once the money's in there, it grows tax-free and you can take it out tax-free. Which is exactly to me what this chart is showing, right? That the difference there you can get just by avoiding the taxes.
2: Yeah, so we'll and so we'll talk to clients who have younger kids about the opportunity they have to open what's called a custodial Roth IRA. It's a Roth IRA for your child, and you do have to, per IRS regulations, you have to show that the child has some kind of income. So think a lemonade stand, you know, something simple, or maybe they. I don't know. I, I coached soccer in the summer as a kid. If they have any kind of income like that, they can get that income into a Roth IRA when they're really young. And there sure is a beautiful opportunity for a parent to educate, talk about investing, and do it in a, a really smart investment vehicle, there. So all right. So now we've talked about taxes. Now let's talk about gambling, you know, and the
1: difference between investing and gambling. If right? you often hear that throwing money into your stock market is gambling. And I I'm a big sports fan so I hear about sports gambling all the time and there's these sort of jokes out there saying, well, the only way you can lose in gambling is to stop playing, which I think as it relates to sports gambling or cards gambling is not true. The odds are stacked against you. You're going to lose. But with investing, there's a, a lot of evidence to support the fact that the longer you stay in the higher likelihood of success you have. And we've talked about that in a a number of episodes as well, but there's a study that was done where they looked at the time horizon of the S&P 500. So if you look at the S&P 500 and you own that for one month, for one year, for five years, for 10 years, and for 15 years. So those types of holding periods on the S&P 500. Now, if you hold the S&P 500, you buy it today, you hold it for a month, The odds of making money are, you know, so historically speaking, over a one month time period, 62% of the time you've been positive, 38% of the time you've been negative. You extend that out to one year, it's 75% positive, 25% negative. Extend that out to five years, it's 89% positive, 11% negative. On and on, 10 years is 95% positive, 5% negative, and holding that. For 15 years, it's 99.8% positive and 2% negative. Now, there's no guarantees, right? There's nothing here is 100% of the time, really. But that just goes to show that the longer you're invested and you know, the odds of you making money go up tremendously. And that's why trying to time the market becomes so dangerous.
2: Also, I have to tell you, I, I'm not personally someone who has spent a lot of time in Vegas, but i don't think that there's ever going to be a 99.8% chance of making money if you're if you're truly gambling i mean that's again i'm not speaking from a lot of experience there but i wouldn't imagine the casinos would be as big if people yeah. were winning 99.8% <laughs> of the time right yeah no couldn't agree more and you know it's interesting i was talking to some clients recently who have some younger kids and and the kids actually we had a, a wonderful meeting with the whole family the kids came in with the parents and we just had some conversations about investing, trying to help our our clients educate their kids about money and investing. And as we started having different conversations about stocks versus bonds and mutual funds and ETFs and this kind of thing, one of the younger kids made a slightly facetious comment, but he was also slightly serious. He said, "Isn't all of this just a gamble, right? If I go open, you know, a Robinhood account right now or whatever, and just throw some money at something, it's just who knows what's gonna happen." And we kind of said, you know, to some extent, that's fair and and we could have launched into this long tirade of all the research you can do, et cetera. What it really came down to, and I, I think there was an impactful statement made, we essentially told him, gambling delivers you an experience, a thrill, something akin to like an adrenaline rush, right? i you see a lot of people at the slots or whatever in Vegas and it they're just they're having a good time. They're doing their thing. It's it's meant to be an experience, almost like a theme park type of an experience, versus the kind of investing that we talk about and that we encourage our clients to to take with their portfolios. Is frankly, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but it's boring. <laughs> it's very long term oriented. There's not a lot of excitement to it. Of course, we love what we do and we, you know, we obviously get thrilled with it. But for the most part, year in, year out, it's just kind of consistent, steady growth, you know, some ups, some downs, but there's not a lot of adrenaline rush associated with it. So gambling delivers an experience. Investing, generally speaking, should be fairly lack of experience, somewhat boring. Yeah, that sort of
1: boring ride. And that, yeah. you know, we've talked about diversification a lot on this because what I'm not saying is that there's no risk to investing right there's right. obviously risk and you can increase right. or decrease the amount of risk and or quote unquote gambling you're taking right to to use that client's question something like when we're t- talking here about the S&P 500 and the the amount of diversification you get there owning 500 or so stocks makes that a little more boring but what you know what we see over time is very significant growth to someone's portfolio provided they stay in. And if you're trying to hop in and hop out, you might hop out in a good year and hop back in and it's, it happens to be the down year, and that staying in, we've talked you know more than probably every other episode seems to be about sure. time in not timing the market, right? You know, I'm going to take this out a little bit farther here. You know, we talked broke it down even to a daily standpoint here. So if you look at the S&P going back to 1926 through 2015, even in one given day, you're looking at 54% of the time it was positive, 46% of the time negative. Then we get one year, year, five-year, 10-year, we sort of went through those. If you look at 1926 through 2015, rolling 20-year periods, 100% of the rolling 20-year periods during that time. So it's basically what, 90 years, let's call it. Right. Were the S and P five hundred was positive? Now it doesn't mean it was super positive every one of those times, right? It doesn't, you know. And there really is no guarantees stock market wise. But historically speaking, a hundred percent of the time over a twenty year time period, the S and P five hundred was positive. Which again, just maybe puts the final touches there on staying invested, and you know that difference between sort of investing and gambling.
2: Yeah, I love it. I think the fifth and final here on the list is also an important one. So, right up there with taxes is the idea of inflation, the idea that a dollar tomorrow buys less than a dollar today. I, I remember being in a really young punk kid in college and had my very first business class, or maybe it was a finance class or economics. And one of the most important, just base principles that I learned again, this is college, not high school, where it probably should have been taught, but was that that a dollar today is worth less than a dollar tomorrow right so the idea that your buying power of a dollar decreases over time is really important so if you just you get a dollar from your lemonade stand or whatever stash it under your mattress as we like to say the value of that dollar is going to decrease over time you'd be able to buy less stuff with it if you don't invest it if you don't cause it to grow the chart that we're looking at goes back to 1900 and it starts with you know a dollar in 1900 and we just watch the line fall over time up until this chart happens to go until 2020 till you know the value of the dollar is worth probably just pennies relative to what it was in 1900 so very important to to understand that stuff gets more expensive over time. That's sort of a, a natural evolution of the economic system that we live in. Yeah. And we're, we've all been learning
1: that lesson here the last few years, right? With inflation right. really spiking the way that it has. And it's it's now, you know, so it's proving the, our, the point even stronger that just keeping your money in a savings account in the bank or burying it in your, you know, putting it in your mattress, so to speak, you're really losing money. You're starting out at a negative proposition there because of inflation. So that we've really hit that home the last two years. Now, I don't expect inflation to be as high as it's been the last two years for a long time. Ultimately, we'll head back to normal numbers, but still that's 2 to 3% per year. Everything just gets a little bit more expensive each year and you need to be making sure you're at least keeping up with that. And that becomes really critical as you get closer to retirement, right? The, right? the younger you are, it's farther out in the future. You don't think about it. But when you're retired and you're on a relatively fixed income in terms of living off your investments or pensions or other things, inflation is one of the major, major concerns for our clients who are retired.
2: So I I love that. And I I want to add just maybe sort of a sixth idea here and it's it's a little bit more um qualitative than quantitative if you will had a conversation with a client recently who he essentially expressed that growing up he's roughly our age um has a couple kids a uh, little bit older than mine a little bit younger than yours and his experience growing up was in his family discussions of money were sort of a taboo topic right it was it was almost like Money, really? religion, and politics, right? Yes, Those are the three. exactly. It, w- it was like bringing up money was like bringing up Biden versus Trump or something, <laughs> kind of a debate in his house. And he said after our meeting, he is a fairly new client. He said, this has been so helpful and so eye-opening because it's so nice to have an open, honest dialogue. His wife was there with him, an open, honest dialogue about our finances and about money. He said, that's probably one of the best things we can do in society, just at large is have more open and honest conversations about money and man i just i couldn't agree more with that i guess my point in all this is for to whatever extent we can i think it's unhealthy to keep money secrets from our kids i'm not saying that we need to you know lay out the finances for our 9 year old or whatever but as much as possible talk to them about how much things cost and talk to them about some of these ideas of investing and growing wealth over time yeah, you can instill, you know, we talk all the time with clients about it's not
1: necessarily just the money you're leaving behind, but the values and principles, right? And teaching those values and principles things that are important to you, the younger it starts, the better off, you know, I think your children or grandchildren or whoever will be making sure that they understand these concepts. And hopefully this is you know, there may be non-kids out there, some parents maybe who need to understand these concepts as well, as we mentioned earlier. I think it's been really important here. We'll wrap up. I'll just sort of recap the things we talked about today. the Power of compound interest, the effect that taxes can have on your money, the difference between investing and gambling, that sort of goes side by side with the longer you invest for, the higher the likelihood that you'll have positive returns. And then lastly, inflation. That a dollar tomorrow buys less than it does today. And those five critical concepts that I think everybody needs to understand and that can make a really dramatic impact on the decisions that they make to set themselves up for a brighter future. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at 801-839-7056. You can also find us on our website, wittenbergwealth.com. As always, click that subscribe button and share with your friends and family. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners.